0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Senior Director of Billboard
1: Charts. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital. Hello, Katie. How are you? Hey, Keith. I'm doing great. How about yourself? I am
0: very busy, and I wish we have another. I wish we had another long weekend like we just had here <laughs> in the U.S.
1: Oh, I love a four-day weekend. They're just luxurious, aren't they?
0: <laughs> I mean, I did spend most of the weekend actually working. I just need more of that time. I need, like, a 10-day work week. I don't know. It's
1: just we got to we got to watch the Thanksgiving Day parade, though, too. There was a parade. So. There was
0: an actual parade, sort of.
1: <laughs> yeah. There was a
0: dog show. There was some yeah. semblance of
1: normalcy. Anyway. <laughs> no, those were two words put together. Semblance of normalcy. Those are words. Nor Normality or normalcy.
0: <laughs> oh, all right. I'm going to
1: go ahead and copy edit you live. What, what was that word that
0: Fred Durst said on the MTV VMAs one year? That wasn't oh, a word. Oh, God. I have no idea. This is
1: like a, um, uh, well, anyway, we'll move on. I know that Jewel put the word casualty in her poem and Kurt Loder called her out on it. Right. Um,
0: oh, Kurt <laughs> Not Loder.
1: talking about a death. T- definitely talking about something being casual. Um,
0: okay. Well, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop and sometimes wordsmithing. Is that a word? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. On yeah. Billboard's weekly charts, in addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news about how BTS takes over the top slots on both the Billboard 200 albums chart and the Billboard Hot 100 songs chart, and the top 10 arrival of Shawn Mendes and Justin Bieber's single Monster on the Hot 100.
1: We'll also be talking about the fallout from the Grammy nominations and how Dua Lipa's Studio 2054 concert stacks up to the real live thing. <laughs> but first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com podcasts.
0: Um, all right. First up, let's do the chart chat. On the Billboard 200 Albums chart, BTS, you may have heard of them, nets its second number one album of 2020 and fifth number one album overall as B, that is spelled B-E, bows atop the list with 242,000 equivalent album units earned in the U.S. in the week ending November 26th, of course, according to Nielsen Music MRC data. Of that sum, hundred and seventy-seven thousand are album sales. By the way, the album was only available in two different formats. A digital album that was like about like maybe eight or nine dollars, and a physical album that cost fifty.
1: Wow, that is unlike
0: their previous strategy. Uh yeah, their previous <laughs> strategy was like four different physical albums that cost about twenty-four dollars a piece, so They've really upped the and ante had,
1: here. And it had all sorts of like cards and things random put into the packages. So they, they went a different direction. Interesting. Yeah.
0: Still sold a heck of a lot, though. I'd say. Yeah. Um. The pop group topped the list uh, earlier in 2020 with Map of the Soul 7. BTS also takes over the Billboard Hot 100 songs chart as the new B album track, Life Goes On, which the group performed recently on the American Music Awards, I think in a medley with Dynamite, correct? Yep, they did both. Uh, Debuts at number one. It's the third number one for BTS following Dynamite and their feature turn on Josh 685 and Jason Derulo's Savage Love, Laxed Siren Beat. Yeah. Speaking of Dynamite... The release of the album, I was just saying, yeah, because that's a lot of song title to say.
1: Speaking of it Dynamite,
0: <laughs> Savage Love, Laxed Siren Beat just rolls off the tongue.
1: There's so many adjectives.
0: <laughs> it's a Savage Love, it's a Laxed Siren, the beat is the siren-y. Um, meanwhile, speaking of Dynamite, the release of the album B helped draw fans to the track because Dynamite is on the album B as Dynamite jumps back into the top 10 on the Hot 100 flying 14 to 3. Uh, Life Goes On, uh, which is the first mostly Korean-language song to be number one on the Hot 100, sold 150,000 copies and earned 14.9 million U.S. streams in the week ending November 26th. Uh, In terms of radio airplay, which is the third component that goes into the Hot 100, aside from sales and streams, the song basically had no airplay. So clearly this was a fan-favorite. That the fans really, really wanted to get to number one, and we'll look at that. It worked uh, for all. Things, look at that for all things BTS on the charts. Like what BTS, the B G S, Future, and the Beatles all have in common on the charts this week. Make sure to visit billboard.com/chart-beat. Staying with the Hot 100 for a moment, Shawn Mendes and Justin Bieber's team up on the new single "Monster" debuts at number eight, giving Mendes his sixth top ten and Bieber his twenty-first. Monster had seventeen thousand in sales, nineteen point one million in streams, and fourteen point four million in airplay audience. Now back on the Billboard 200 albums chart, Megan Thee Stallion's new album, Good News, makes headlines as it bows at number two. Uh, The set is her highest-charting album yet, after and also her third top ten effort, by the way. Uh, The album includes her number one Hot 100 hit, Savage, uh, the remixed version featuring Beyoncé as well as the new song, Body, body, Adi Adi, which has taken over social media via the Body Challenge, inspiring many a fan to twerk and shake their rump to the tune. Katie, have you seen the one of the guy twerking at the drive-thru at Starbucks? Because Megan shared it on her social networks.
1: I have not, but I'm going to go look at it after this.
0: It's great. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's great. And I'm like, I can't move that quickly. How do these people do it? It's amazing. <laughs> Um, Uh, But yeah, if you and if you those of you that are listening, if you haven't seen it, just go find her social media. It's great. And uh, learn a couple new dance moves while you're at it.
1: All right. So we wanted to circle back to a conversation we had on last week's episode. (laughs) A shell shell shock conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it was. Um, You heard our live reactions to the big four uh, Grammy nominations uh, for the 2021 awards show. And we talked about how we fared with our predictions and running down all the big four nominees. But a lot has happened since last Tuesday. Um, There has been a lot of talk about snubs in those major categories, including Carrie Styles being passed over for his album Fine Line and his song Adore You, or Fiona Apple's Fetch the Bolt Cutters Not Landing in the Album of the Year category. Those were a couple of shocking things. Hmm. But by far, the overwhelming sentiment after nominations came out was centered on one artist, and that question was, where is The weekend? He's taking a long weekend break from the Grammy Award nominations. (laughs) So he seemingly had a commercially and critically beloved project with After Hours, and uh, it also had a smash hit song in Blinding Lights. And it seemed like a lock for nods, as you heard from Keith and my predictions, you know, the week prior. Um, But not only did he not get any big four nominations, he got zero nominations period when he is a grammy like a very he's been nominated for grammys in the past in uh what used to be the urban category which has now been renamed that might have worked against him this new album was considered pop and it's a very crowded field that might have worked against him but just zero nominations was was a little mind-blowing to myself and others and maybe also to the weekend himself. <laughs> apparently, apparently, as well to the
0: weekend. Yeah.
1: Um. You know, people typically kind of play the political game, and you know, maybe don't they let their fans talk for them when the snubs happen. But yeah. the weekend did, did not go that direction. Um. He actually sent out two tweets directed at the Grammys. The first one came out late in the day on nominations day, so on Tuesday, the twenty fourth, when he tweeted, "The Grammys remain corrupt." You owe me, my fans, and the industry transparency. So in that tweet, he was speaking directly to the process of of Grammy voting because he felt like that's what had failed him, I'd say. Um, and then the next day, he tweeted, Collaboratively planning a performance for weeks to not being invited? In my opinion, zero nominations equals you're not invited. So again, it sounds like he's saying and... Uh, You know, we don't know all the inner workings of everything, but he's saying that the Grammys were already preparing a performance moment with him, but then they didn't nominate him at all. Therefore, he's no longer thinking that that's going to happen. The two, I mean, okay, okay.
0: I mean, the two, the 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 two things don't work in concert together. There's nominations, and there's a TV team that produces a show, and. I'm sure they were probably talking to him, assuming that they were going to, he was going to get nominated because all everyone else assumed that they were. And then when the nominations come out and they're like, Holy
1: crap. That might be the problem right, right there. Um, the idea that the TV side, the, the producers, which forever was the same crew was Ken Ehrlich. You heard that name a lot, but this year it's Ben Winston, who is a longtime James Corden producer. Um, and a, fr- a he Harry Styles lived at his house for a while. He's also well known for that. As a random um, tidbit <laughs> for you, all right. <laughs> but maybe that's part of the problem here, like the expectation that this conversation that they were having meant that there were going to be nominations. It feels a little quid pro quo, but it also like as you say, like these two arms are moving separately. But if the weekend even begins to start thinking about a performance, he's assuming you know, they've got inside knowledge that he doesn't have and that they're asked, talking about about it for a reason. I yeah. don't know. I mean, you'd ho- you, know? you would
0: hope that someone would have explained that explicitly and said, just because we are speaking to you does not mean that you are going to be nominated. That is something that is done by an entirely different body outside of the team that produces the television show for CBS. Mm-hmm. You'd hope.
1: Maybe, th- maybe a new rule, uh, shout out to Dua Lipa, will be put into place uh, for... Next year, where maybe the t v team shouldn't start approaching artists until nominations are out, I maybe that would of, be a I, good I start. Kind of thought that's the way it worked based upon previous
0: interviews I read with Ehrlich, where you know maybe
1: Ben Winston didn't know how it worked <laughs> since he just started doing this I, <laughs> who knows uh, who knows um anyway um on the transparency front though, which is what he had requested in the in the process um I think that that is something that people have been talking about and asking for for a long time, because as we've talked about, you know, there's these genre committees who who deal with the specific um, genre categories, but then there's this whole wider committee. Uh, basically, everybody, all the voters are allowed to get in on the big four uh, action, correct? It's, Therefore, it's a little bit different it, of a process. It's it's,
0: it's a, it basically, yeah, I mean, I think what he's talking about, which this is, I think this has been defined. There are specific committees, genre committees within the Recording Academy, like for R&B or for hip-hop or for dance or for music video, that are effectively screening committees made up of professionals from the industry who screen submissions to that category to make sure that they are appropriate for that category. Then there is the sort of special screening committee the nomination screening committee for the big four categories album record song and best new artist where there is a sort of sort of blue ribbon nominating committee that goes through I think it's like the top 20 vote getters for album record song and best new artist and then they basically determine who the final eight nominees are going to be from that long list
1: wouldn't you love to see those groups of 20 Oh, what I did! Well, it's like you—you you wonder. <laughs> you, I mean, and and Paul
0: Greiner, our awards editor, who I might be getting ahead of you, he interviewed Harvey Mason, the sort of interim—is he interim CEO?
1: Yeah, acting CEO of the Recording Academy.
0: And Harvey didn't say if the weekend was among the top twenty vote getters in those in record album and song. He didn't say yes or no. I mean, yeah. So anyway, he, said he
1: was surprised not to see him there too. Yeah, he actually, said that in he that, was that interview. Yeah, didn't mean to cut so, you off there, Katie. Well, no, not at all. I The one other thing I wanted to say, based on what you were talking about also, is there was a, a side, tiny, nano-controversy in the sense that Justin Bieber got mad about his own category that he ended up in because he submitted his album, Changes, into the R&B categories, and they just rerouted them over to pop because they're like, uh oh, bro, this is a pop album. And he was very deliberate about it being R&B, so it's it's another interesting you know, thread to this whole process. well, um we will of course, be talking about the Grammys for the coming couple <laughs> of months until the show uh, on january thirty first. Um we find it super fascinating and clearly the artists and the fans do too. Y'all so maybe be
0: bored of it already, frankly, but if, if, if people listening
1: if you're listening to this show, you're not bored of it. No. <laughs> you like this stuff <laughs> it, it is uh, it is super
0: fascinating, but um we should probably move on.
1: Okay, let's um, let's to. move on. Let's move on to the fact that uh, that Keith and I went to a concert together on Friday, guys. <laughs> yes, we, we did, sort of. <laughs> okay, not exactly, but we both uh, tuned in Friday night to watch Dua Lipa's Studio 2054 live stream concert, and we texted throughout it. So in 2020, it was pretty much the next best thing to attending a, com- a concert together. We I would we, say we weren't live tweeting; we were live texting. Yes. <laughs> well, so that was a private conversation, but now we'll have it in public right here on this podcast. Um, I just wanted to start with some highlights of the of the live stream in my opinion. First first off, I thought the production value was like killer. Yeah. I thought You know, they really uh, they they were in a warehouse kind of space. They turned it into this, you know, kind of moving, breathing music video where, you know, she and her dancers were traveling through to different sets. Like, it's pretty much the closest thing anyone could have to feeling like they were in a bar, in a nightclub. Like a lot of the scenes were centered around DJs, um, including the Blessed Madonna was one of those DJs um, throughout the show. Um, And. It just that was like the heartbeat of the whole thing was like a DJ and a beat and a dance party. And that's what this album is. And we've been talking about this album since its release in March about how it deserves to be danced to. And it deserves to have like a live concert where people can, you know, dance to Dua's music live. And so basically this was the the best thing that she could bring to her fans right now. And it was pretty damn good like i mean i think that you know if you told me in march that that's the only way i could see you do a live i might be disappointed by that idea but you know eight nine months later all of a sudden it, it felt like it felt really great to me yeah so um one of the other things the big stories leading up to it was the special guests from it um for me those were a little hit and miss because yeah i feel like they might have been a little over yeah um, yeah. one of them was Keith's favorite, um, Kylie Minogue, and, and she, along with uh, the French pop star Anjali, were the only two that were that actually appeared to be like on set with Dua for the main portion of the concert, right. aside because from the F- DJs,
0: aside from like the Blessed Madonna yes. and stuff.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, um, FKA Twigs did this pole dance thing, and Dua was there like on site for it, but it didn't feel like it was part of the same, um, no. Uh, performance and also kylie and anjali both popped back up at the end for kind of a curtain call that sort was the of giveaway where, i'm
0: like where's FKA twigs she's not there for the curtain call oh it must have been exactly or something
1: exactly and then the two biggest names that were talked about beforehand were um, hold on. Kylie is an enormous name so stop i know but the two biggest names there were there were two other major <laughs> names that were mentioned i love kylie minogue let me just say that Miley Cyrus was talked about ahead of time as a special guest, and obviously she and Dua have the new song Prisoner out together. And the performance for the live stream turned out to be kind of like an outtake from the video set.
0: Exclusive B roll. Like "Mm." Yeah.
1: Like it wasn't a new live vocal. It wasn't it it was just a different kind of, you know, vantage point of the music video. Yeah. Um so that was a little disappointing. Like There was that. And then Elton John was also promised, which is like, whoa, what are Elton and Dua going to do together? Nothing. The answer is nothing. (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) Because Elton kind of appeared like this angel in the sky for a performance of Rocket Man while like dancers kind of watched it, you know, as it beamed down. Um, Very cool to get Elton John on your concert. Very cool not deriding that at all but it didn't exactly blend in with the rest of the vibe. No. For me. No. Um okay. I mean bad, main... bad Bunny
0: and J Balvin were also on it as well.
1: They were on TV screens, that's correct. And and
0: Dua sang Undia. And Tiny, don't forget Tiny. Tiny.
1: Well, he didn't sing though. He's just the producer. I know, he just I know, appeared. I know. But
0: at least Dua sang the song Undia with them doing their parts on a TV screen behind them. So it was still like it was a quasi-live performance where she was still and it, doing yeah, something. Yeah, it was by.
1: incorporated. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um Putting those things aside, those minor quibbles. The main question, I think, for me and Keith to discuss is how does it compare to a real deal concert for what we're allowed to do right now, basically. So Keith what, what, Like, where is the stand for you as far as, like, going to a concert? Well, I mean, it's not going to a concert, for God's sake. I know.
0: But when I was watching it, the only thing I could think of was, like, oh, I wonder if this was what she wanted to do for the live show. I wonder mm-hmm. if this is what she was planning on doing for the tour that she had actually announced, I think, for Europe already. There could be sirens outside. You might hear them. If not... Um, I just kept thinking, oh, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. And then I thought, I wonder if she'll hold on to this for maybe next year when we might have shows or will the moment have already passed and she's on to the next album already. So is this going to be the only time that we'll actually see this actual production? But um, to me, it really felt like they really wanted to do something that wasn't just a traditional concert, more of a music video slash club experience slash something you wouldn't actually get anywhere else. Um, Because it was like almost like a fantasy experience. Like that club isn't real. That isn't a real bartender. That's not the DJ you would ever see. These are all professional dancers. But you kind of felt like a moment you were kind of watching a little mini movie of a fantasy of what this world could be like. So for what it was, it was really cool. Would this be the same live experience? Not quite. But I could still see those costumes on stage, those dancers on stage, the the, the musical treatments and interpretations on stage. A lot of it, yes. I could see that actually happening. I think fans would love for this to actually be reenacted in person.
1: And I feel like I almost kind of saw myself while watching it in the dancers, in the sense that, like, a lot of times they were just getting to freestyle dance to do as music. Well, you know, in, that like, had been rehearsed setting. for
0: days beforehand. All, quote unquote freestyle improv. Like... <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> but it looked like they were having like a lot of fun yes. because they hadn't been able to do that either. You know, it's not like they've been at nightclubs, you know, secretly or something. They also were getting this opportunity to be part of a club. I don't know. I felt kind of living vicariously through them. I yeah, I, I could see that too.
0: I could see, you could see like there are moments where like she and the dancers would connect eyes and you kind of felt like, Oh, I'm getting a real moment. Like they're having a moment. Like maybe that wasn't scripted or maybe it was, but you could tell that they're all kind of feeling the moment, especially yeah. at the end when they finally, they finished at the end, and um, you could tell that Duo was just like, everyone was like, relieved, we did it, and we did this amazing thing, and how good it must have felt to do something live, even though it wasn't in a traditional sense, you know?
1: Totally, totally. And I, I so I feel like it was in service to the artists and to the viewer, big time. And I also feel like they will be missing out on an opportunity if they do not release this as a live album, because I loved the seamless transitions between songs. Like there were a lot of cool, um, like little nuggets of other songs worked in like Kwai songs, Missy Elliott songs dropped in well, to I'll transition. You, you would quite yes. enjoy the
0: club future nostalgia remix album that Dua Lipa already released, well, that's, which that has the blessed, a lot of this
1: in it. It was at the blessed Madonna remix or yeah. 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 Um, this So that was my one thing. I kept thinking, oh, I just want to listen to this over and over again. And then um, I also, oh, wait, no, I just lost my train of thought entirely. Where did I go? Oh, I wanted to mention, we also got a press release um about the show on Monday that, first of all, says that you can watch the show until Sunday. So if you missed out on Friday, you're able to watch the show through to Sunday. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this podcast right now, I should say, what is that, December... 6th through December 6th yep so December 6th Sunday and they also said that more than 5 million people watch this thing which who knows if it's 5 million independent viewers or repeat viewers or what yeah, I'm like kind I kind cl- of magic I, I think
0: I clicked on it a number of times through the weekend so there's a couple clicks just from me so
1: but still, like I was actually thinking to myself while watching it, I wonder how many people are watching this because I knew it was global. They had options for you to watch it in different time zones in different countries, um, and it's kind—it's pretty cool to think that you tuned in to something that, like, according to this thing, like this many people in China, this many people in India, this—you know what I mean—was yeah. all watched together on Friday night. Like, I, I think they did a great job, you know, putting this experience together in this moment of time. Yeah.
0: Even yeah. if it wasn't really truly live, live, because there's no way this was actually a live, live event. But it looked, yeah, it looked it in terms of they probably taped it live in portions. That's of exactly.
1: It. That's what I was trying to explain to Dan while we were watching. And I was like, I think they basically decided to record it live. Now, if there was a major mistake, of course, they would be able to re- have a redo. But it looked very, a lot of the transitions song to song to song looked pretty seamless. So it felt live, at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, well.
0: Is that it? (laughs) Is that it on dua? Uh,
1: That's enough for dua. I could talk about Dua all day, but I let's let's do this again sometime, Keith. Another Friday night concert. Yeah. right. well let's move on now. It's time for the chart stat of the week. Want you to make me feel like I'm the only girl in the world.
0: Ten years ago this week, Rihanna's Grammy Award-winning single, Only Girl in the World, hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Her eighth number one of so far 14 leaders. The track rose 2 to 1 on the Hot 100 chart dated December 4th, 2010, and spent one week at number one. Only Girl won a Grammy for Best Dance Recording and is one of nine Grammy Awards Rihanna has taken home out of 33 nominations. By the way, Rihanna's 14 number ones on the Hot 100 remains the third most in the chart's history for an artist behind only Mariah Carey's 19. And the Beatles' 20 chart toppers. So there you have it. 10 years ago this week, Rihanna was the only girl in the world at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. All right, Katie, we've reached the end of our big sort of post post Grammy reaction, Dua Lipa
1: 2054 show, BTS (laughs) show. What song should we go out on? You know that only girl chart stat makes me want Rihanna to do the next concert live stream. So She's, Rihanna, she would probably do that. Con- she would
0: probably contend like if you watched my fashion show. Well, oh, you know
1: that is you get a piece of that feeling, but yeah. no, I want like all Rihanna, nothing else, no filler, just Rihanna. <laughs> she would be like,
0: that wasn't filler, darling. That was fashion. Anyway, should we go out on another Rihanna song?
1: Is that what you're suggesting? Yeah, I mean. Let's just keep on that same vibe and do we found love?
0: Okay, great. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.